Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. And good morning and good day. I hope you are healthy and happy and joyous and free. And we are talking to a man who I consider a visionary. I don't consider him. He is a visionary. All right. Let me correct myself. Dr. Silas Rao. He is a Stanford educated PhD systems analyst engineer who was very instrumental in the acceleration of internet speeds and who also worked with Al Gore for a time on climate issues, but split from Al Gore because Al Gore doesn't want to talk about animal agriculture. Dr. Rao has written a white paper uh, proving essentially that animal agriculture is responsible for 87% of greenhouse gas emissions, far above the 14.5 or 18% or 30% or 51% that has been published prior to this. So he is willing to debate anyone any time. I want to introduce Dr. Rao, who just held a 48-hour convergence of minds to try to come up with how we can create a vegan world, and we have to do it by 2026. By the way, uh, he is the star of the Jane Unchained documentary, Countdown to Year Zero, which is available on Amazon Prime. It's free. It's an award-winning documentary. It's free if you're a Prime member, just 99 cents for everybody else. The whole idea is for people to hear this thought. The tagline is, watch it before it's too late because we are barreling toward extinction. Dr. Rao, uh, two days of conversation. What are the headlines that came out of the conversation in terms of what we need to do to create a vegan world by 2026? Well, the uh, good news is that there are a lot of people working on it and we are all converging, figuring out how to put our strengths together. And uh, a lot of great ideas came out of this. A lot of great connections came out of it. This is what convergences do. In fact, this is exactly how we worked on the internet as well. You know, we used to converge once every four months. And uh, and then we had assignments on how to go, go answer this question and come back for the next convergence, that sort of thing, right? And I think it's exactly the same kind of uh, methodology that's happening now. We know that we need to create a new model a new model in which compassion is normal, as opposed to the current model where, um, you know, death, disease, and destruction is normal, right? Death for the animals, diseases for human beings, and destruction of the planet. That's normal in the current system. And uh, so we need to create a system in which it's all about, you know, life, um, helping life thrive, being compassionate to each other, to the animals, and how to thrive on earth, as opposed to how to extract from the earth. And how did you make progress this weekend? What were some of the key ideas, bullet points, if you would? Yeah, some great ideas that came out. Number one is uh, uh, getting default wedge. You know, what uh, Ilana Brauman brought to the table was incredible. She says, she just pointed out that people tend to do the default. So whatever is default has to be compassionate, has to be good for the planet, has to be good for our health. 
So which means that if you have um, a cafeteria in which the default is vegan food, or your meetings always have vegan food as default, then that will become the default. Most people will take that default. They're not going to insist on having meat or cheese on their food. So make that something that they have to ask for. So you're not taking away any choices, but you're just making sure that the default is good for the planet, good for your health, and good for the animals. So I really think the default has to be all universal meals, you know, what PCRM calls universal meals. Uh, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, we had four universal meals cooking shows during the convergence. Because PCRM is pointing out that by default, you should be giving people food that's not allergenic, you know, that's that's good for everyone, good for your health, good for the planet, good for the animals. So it's whole food plant-based universal meals. If you make that the default and have people ask for other things if they want to, and then I think 90% of the people will stick with the default. Well, now, I, I think this is very exciting. Now, one of the things that we do is, and you know this, dialectics, argument and counter argument to reach a higher understanding of the subject matter. So if I in any way challenge or discuss ideas that are presented with you, we're all on the same team to achieve a vegan world by 2026, but sometimes it's healthy to challenge ideas, strategies, Mm -hmm. and different people have different visions. So please understand that anything I say is with respect to you, you are like it's you, Ingrid Newkirk, and Anita Krines. Okay, I look up to all three of them. Like, please save our world. Um, so I'm going to uh, now introduce somebody else who was at the convergence, Jamin Shively, and uh, hopefully he's going to. Uh, there he is, Jamin. How you doing? Jane, doing great. Silas, yeah. hey, great to see you both. At yeah. your service. Very happy you to be were, here. You were at the Convergence for um, the whole thing, I think. And uh, so we want to hear from you. You have an idea about distributing food. And I'm going to tangle with you a little bit. Uh, we're going to have some fun. Okay. <laughs> what Basically, what's your idea? So so the idea in simple, simple terms is that we feed everyone on Earth a whole food plant-based diet, which is greatly facilitated by logistics, massive logistics, which Silas's son is an expert at, by the way. And I've got some slides that, that really tell the story, but the basic idea is we buy massive quantities of food direct from the source where the price is a fraction. We're talking about lentils at seven cents a pound if you buy them straight from the farmer. Bring them to Uh, massive food kitchens or food factories. So in in Los Angeles, for example, just imagine a massive food factory where we're cranking out plant-based stew, super nutritious, and then we distribute it in bulk. People bring their own containers. We fill them. It's food on tap to finally, A, feed everyone, and B, get the entire world to go plant-based by showing them, by feeding them plant-based foods and finally making food a basic human right. Much more to say about that, but that's the nutshell. Okay. Well, first of all, I always appreciate your enthusiasm. You are one of the most enthusiastic uh, participants, and I relate to you because I get very worked up too. In fact, uh, I'm trying to remain as calm as Dr. Rao. I don't know if it's going to happen in this lifetime, but uh, it's a goal. In any case, 
I have a different view of it, okay? Uh, you're looking at it from a macro standpoint. I'm looking at it from a micro standpoint. And from a micro standpoint, I can tell you that A, uh, I personally don't like to cook for other people. Like I'll make something for myself, but I'm not interested in cooking for other people. I'm honestly not interested in distributing food to other people like physically. Um, thirdly, if somebody came up to me with a bowl of stew, I'd say, who are you? And I don't know you from Adam and I'm not going to have your stew because A, it's not what I feel like having today. B, I don't know what went into it, where you made it, who you are. And C, I can buy my own food. So I think you're talking about a segment of the population that's hungry and absolutely we want to help people who are hungry. In fact, uh, Jane Unchained worked uh, with Support and Feed, Maggie Baird's organization. She's Billie Eilish and fin Phineas's mom who uh, came up with a brilliant concept. She gets donations. She gives the money to vegan restaurants. They keep the vegan restaurants open because you're giving money. They're making food. And then she picks it up and distributes it to those in need. First responders, paramedics, senior citizens, um, children who are hungry. I very much believe in feeding people. What I'm, what I'm looking at, though, I'm looking at it from another perspective. Um, I'm looking at it from the perspective of basically who, what, when, where, why, and how. And so what I, first of all, it was very helpful to hear your idea because just by reacting to it, I started thinking of possible alternatives. And to me, it would, it would be better to do on a regional or a neighborhood basis. Mm -hmm. In other words, if somebody told me, Jane, we're going to get a crew together in LA and we are going to feed XYZ institution they know we're coming. They know where the food is coming from. Um, there's people who need food. Um, I'd say, okay, well, let's see. I could either go out and buy some cookies or a great, you know, quinoa, or I maybe I could make it. Maybe I could make a small amount of food and give it to you, or maybe I'm the one who drives the car. Mm -hmm. But what I'm trying to say is, that I think you have to break it down into what people's skills are and what, they're, what they want to do and where they live. And I was thinking that the best way to accomplish that would be an app, an app that would allow people locally to gather together and make a plan in their neighborhood because you want geographic proximity um, it's very important. I could have the greatest hairdresser in the world, but if she's in Berlin, it's not going to do me much good here in Venice, California. So I think that we need to, and this is part of a greater idea that I've been grappling with, we need to mobilize tribes, vegan tribes within their uh, neighborhood. I've been trying to do this for a long time. And honestly, I'll tell you, uh, I've been struggling. Um, you know, I know TV. I know the TV world. I know video. We've had tremendous success with those areas. But um, apps are very complicated. 
And so I actually wanted to talk to Dr. Rao about that, because what I see with a lot of these different organizations is they need mobilization on the local level. Uh, the SAVE movement has done a brilliant job. I mean, Anita Krines is an organizer, a world-class organizer, and she's organized. But I, I also see that that is something that, that happens on a local basis. You have, mm-hmm. you have chapters, you have local chapters. So uh, suffice it to say that I think that it's very important to feed people, but I think we have to look at it from the perspective of, um, I know personally, I'm not, never going to just take, unless I was literally starving, I, somebody drives up and hands me something, I, I, if I was starving, I would take it. But I, I need to vet it. I need to understand where it came from. Dr. Rao. Yeah, well, the first, uh, you know, I mean, I've been talking to Jamie and we've been having this food healers conversation uh, once a week, every Friday. And uh, uh, the first institution that agreed to actually cook the food and give it to people was a temple. Mm. If you have a temple or a church cooking the food, you know, and giving it to the congregation in their neighborhood, you have credibility right away. You have a source of volunteers who can help with the distribution because it's part of their service that they're doing. And uh, um, you also have, you know, uh, some kind of sanctity on the food that you're delivering to people. So people see that as, wow, you know, I'm getting temple food and, and I'm donating to the temple. So, uh, it, I mean, it started, uh, we even got a temple to agree to do it. And they were going to actually send food to the indigenous community back in, uh, you know, in uh, northern Arizona. But someone got involved, some supervisor got involved and said, no, we don't want this. <laughs> we, we, we have to cook our own food. And so, I don't know. So, it kind of got put on hold right now. But it is, see, to me, that's the idea, right? The idea is to get religious community involved the vegan spirituality community involved to actually um, uh, be the intermediaries in making this happen. I love this idea, and it's great to brainstorm about it. In fact, look, the Hare Krishnas um, for years have been distributing food in that very same manner. Uh, It's not vegan, but it was, I believe, vegetarian, but unfortunately, I think they add dairy. We've got a caller, Sarah, your question or thought. Oh, hi. Uh, good morning. I'm really happy to be able to call in, and I agree with your with Jamin and Dr. Rao because right now, if you even look on TV, every day they're showing people that are driving up in their cars into food banks, and people are giving them boxes of food, and they're giving them meals, and well, they don't know where that stuff is coming from. When you go to the grocery store, you think you know where your food is coming from because of all the labels, but no. I really like the idea of the community-based temples and churches because people trust those institutions and they're going to give them whole food, plant-based nourishment. That's the best thing that they could do. So that's my comment. I love the, uh, I love your comment. And, you know, churches do give out food. It's something they've done, but unfortunately they're not giving out vegan food. I mean, the big problem is that people are hungry and they are getting food that is killing them. Right. A processed meat is officially cancer-causing. I have a friend who's elderly, who's vegan, 
and she's uh, unable to go out for her own food. She's on the second floor and she's quite elderly. And she calls me all the time and says, these food banks are dropping off pastrami sandwiches for me and I'm not eating them. And I've asked them for vegan food and they won't deliver it. Uh, so actually one of our great Jane Unchained contributors and uh, supporters, Kim Delgado King went and got vegan food and has delivered it to her several times. But why should she have to go to that extraordinary length? So what about approaching humanitarian organizations that give food and explaining to them in very clear terms? And I know that there are organizations that do this. They say, look, if you're an animal organization, you shouldn't be serving animals. Seems obvious, but unfortunately, there are animal organizations uh, around the world that will hold like barbecues to raise money to save animals. I mean, on its face, it's uh, yeah. perplexing, but it still happens. And so they're working, there's an organization that works with environmental groups shouldn't be serving animals. And uh, conservation groups shouldn't be serving animals. Obviously you're trying to conserve animals. It's um, animal agriculture that's destroying habitats, the biggest destroyer of habitat. So you have all these people working across purposes, but the question is, how do you convince them? I mean, I had a woman who works with a humanitarian World Hunger Group roll her eyes at me when I tried to bring up the issue of veganism and ending world hunger. Uh, obviously, yeah. 7.8 billion humans killing and eating 80 billion animals who are eating Again, there's debate about the statistics. What percentage of the food are farm animals eating of the total food grown? I would like to know your estimate because one of the problems is there's so many different statistics out there. But I mean, tell us your estimate and then um, we can uh, hone our argument, Dr. Rao. Yeah, the estimate is, I mean, it, the IPCC has numbers, you know, they show that 82% of all food that's eaten is already plant-based. 85% uh, is already plant-based by weight. It's 12% is meat, dairy, eggs, and 3% is seafood. See, but also, I know that, you know, that you said the Hare Krishnas don't serve vegan food. This was a Hare Krishna temple I asked, and I asked them if they would serve universal meals, and they said yes. Because basically, that's the, the PCRM is saying this is the best meal to serve. A bunch of doctors saying this is the best meal to serve for people who have diabetes. And so they said, of course, we'll do that. You know, we just have to ask. I think people will do it. People have the heart to do the right thing. Uh, we just have to ask them, and, you know, ask them correctly. You know, oh, yeah. I, I think it's a great idea. Don't get me wrong. Right. I just think that the devil's in the details with distribution because mm -hmm. food is perishable. And, and so the only thing I was saying is that it, that I felt as opposed to this vision of some giant electric vehicle driving with a whole tank of stew, that it would be more like local communities reaching out to local organizations, churches, temples, um, mm -hmm homeless shelters, all sorts of things to coordinate on a local level to uh, use resources. That was, that was the difference in, in vision that I was seeing uh, because obviously food is, um, is perishable. And also to Sarah's point, 
um, food banks uh, are a giving bad food to people. They are giving fruits and vegetables, but they're giving dairy and they're giving processed meat. So absolutely. I don't think we're that far off. I think it's more of a questions about uh, logistics. That's all. It's obviously we're on the same page about doing it. It's just a question of logistics. Um, We're going to take a very short break on Voice America Radio. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel the voice america talk radio network is on instagram make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows live events and around the network we want to see what you have to share as well check us out on instagram at voice america talk radio we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right. Yes, go ahead, Dr. Rao. So you have to look at the total amount of uh, biomass, plant biomass we are extracting from the planet. Some of it is grains, some of it is vegetables and fruits and nuts and seeds. Some of it is, uh, you know, spinach and leaves like that and lots of grass. So you look at the total. When you look at the total, we're extracting 9 billion tons of dry food per year, of which we give 7.3 billion tons to our animals. And we eat 1.5 billion tons. Okay, So we only eat a small portion of that. And the animals are only giving us 0.19 billion tons out of the 1.5 billion tons that we eat. So it's a very small portion of the food we eat overall, you know, worldwide, if you look at the food that we eat. Um, the planet doesn't care in, uh, what kind of biomass you took from the planet. You just took it. And that could have supported so many wild animals. And they are all dead now because we took it from them. Yeah. And we are say, basically, we are taking away the space for the wild animals and the pl- food for the wild animals, and we're eating it ourselves and feeding it to our animals and eating the animals. Okay? That's why the wild animals are all dying off, because they don't have anything to eat, you know, or they eat each other. And, and, and their habitat is being destroyed. Exactly. Right now, here in Los Angeles, there's a, a, a move to 
uh, bulldoze the last coastal wetlands. And Jane O'Jane has held news conferences and uh, gone live at protests uh, where people are rising up and saying 1,700 species live here. Where are they going to go? To the Costco uh, or the Home Depot parking lot and live there? Owls and foxes and skunks. And uh, if this could happen in L.A., forget it. The wetlands are gone everywhere. So there's a big battle to uh, stop this. And, of course, they're calling it a restoration. Yeah. They're bulldozing the whole thing and calling it a restoration. Uh, you know, uh, and hiding behind uh, inner city children, saying they're doing it for the inner city children, when the inner city children could go there and have an experience with nature right now right. without bulldozing the whole thing. Um, in any case, um, follow the money, always. Um, but Dr. Rao, I am trying to understand this. And, and guys... People watching, you know, Dr. Rao is, in my opinion, a genius. Like, a lot of what he's saying kind of goes over my head. And then I drill down and ask questions like a child. And then eventually I go, oh, I get it. This is how the white paper came to be um, understood because I didn't understand some of the things that he said. Um, but essentially, um, you you boiled it down to... Uh, Animal agriculture is responsible for 87% of greenhouse gas emissions. That's one of the key reasons that we need to switch to a plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, how do we get the world to switch to a plant-based diet? Now, you're discussing how to turn people who need food Mm -hmm. into vegans by giving them nutritious food. What about everybody else? What about the elites? What about the middle class who uh, don't need uh, a stew provided by Jamin uh, or anybody else. They can buy their own food. How do we get them to switch? Jamin? Thank you. Thank you, Jane. Great question. So this gets to the heart of it. It's all in the positioning. And what, what we're proposing with food healers is precisely to deliver not, you know, low-grade whatever, just slap it together and give it to the poor people. No, we're talking about literally gourmet plant-based stew. But, when I but, gourmet, okay, but what yeah. I'm trying to say, Eamon, is that, okay, we do a daily cooking show on our Facebook page, Lunch Break Live. Yeah. Okay, we've been doing it since Facebook came online. We've never repeated a recipe. Not, by, not because we didn't want to. It just never happened. That's how diverse, that's how yeah. much diversity and versatility there is in vegan cooking. There are vegan restaurants all over the world. We also have a vegan cook show. Every day, every week, I get two vegan cookbooks. Like, it's out there. People, uh, people don't need you to, I mean, I just, they don't need to be fed by you. Pe- people who are hungry need to be fed by you. But I, 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 I'm trying to parse down where, how you're going to approach the other demographic, the, okay. the influencers. And for me, to, in my view, to create a vegan world, we need to get people who are at uh, the gatekeepers, the media gatekeepers, the corporate yeah. gatekeepers, the uh, technological gatekeepers, um, the political gatekeepers. Those are the people we need to wake up. You know, we need yeah. everybody yeah. in Congress to be a Cory Booker. Um, can you address that, Dr. Rao? Uh, well, you know, this is, 
you're looking at it as how do we change the system to a vegan system okay that's that's when you you know when you look at the influencers now you know how to change them each one of them i look at it as how do you build a new model that's all vegan okay uh, and then let let them you know let them come along let them say yes you know we really need to be doing because say i used the analogy of paul chatlin in my talk right in um, analogy of paul chatlin how he went and got cooking classes instead of getting a triple bypass surgery and healed himself now if, if he had waited for the insurance company to approve a cooking class you know paying 975 dollars for a cooking class he wouldn't have survived so literally he took matters into his own hands and he um, basically went ahead and did it himself but uh, jamen said he you know jamen said he has something to say about this actually okay jamen go ahead and then we're going to we're going to introduce rene kingsonen who just joined us go ahead beautiful beautiful so what we're talking about with the food distribution model is distributing to all neighborhoods so in los angeles not just you know south central la we'll go straight to beverly hills marina del rey deliver it to everyone obviously it's not to be forced on anyone but we're just making it available and with a good media launch with a great media launch which we can totally do think of all the vegan celebrities leilani munter actors actresses singers etc people are going to get behind this and the food is going to be the bomb and so it'll be a big story and everyone eventually will try it and they'll say wow that's way better than what i thought So the answer I believe Jane is delivering plant-based foods to everyone make it optional here it is do you want it by the way we deliver it cold so it doesn't go bad you get to reheat it in your own kitchen and it'll be such a splash we need to make this a big story obviously like I totally 100% agree with everything you're saying about local definitely do it local but we need a big coordinated push to feed all of Los Angeles rich and poor and everyone in between the message is we need to go plant based now to save the planet save the rainforest save the amazon save humanity and stop the spread of covid so for all these reasons it's it's anyway i i'd love to talk more about it i i definitely want to uh, pass it back to you but uh, happy to answer no, any I, questions no i i look uh You know, there are campaigns, there are a whole bunch of campaigns Veganuary. Okay, Veganuary is obviously an incredible campaign. They're up to 600,000 who signed up to go vegan for January. That's huge. It's uh, more than well more than double their numbers from a couple of years ago. So, that's a campaign. And then you have the campaign Default Veg. We just did the story yesterday where you have a former NFL player who's telling, you know, institutions to go veg. and um there's there's a zillion campaigns that's what i'm right. saying that there are a lot of campaigns happening right now and also uh, we've got Renee King Sonnen in the house and she is the founder of Rowdy Girl Sanctuary in Texas it used to be a cattle ranch now it's a vegan animal sanctuary and she's also the founder of the Rancher Advocacy Program and uh this coming saturday we are having a rap summit where we are going to talk about another key issue how to transition farmers and ranchers who want to inherit their land they don't want to leave their land they just don't want to inherit the cruelty and the abuse they want to do something else on their land helping them survive and thrive without using animals so renee jump in on this conversation what are your thoughts 
Well, thank you, Jane. And uh, I'm so, uh, I was so glad to get in on the tail end of that conversation uh, that Jamin was just talking about. Um, I'm all, I mean, I'm all in. Uh, yeah, so the Rancher Advocacy Program, you know, and the RAP Summit, uh, this is our second one. Jane is my co-host. Uh, we are selecting panelists um, every summit that can broaden the understanding and the effectiveness of the entire farm transition movement because it has become a movement. And, um, you know, when I first started talking about this five or six years ago, it was so unheard of. People were not doing it. There was no chatter about it. And now it's out there. And so it's incumbent upon us to bring the, uh, the industry leaders, the plant-based innovators, the, you know, the political side, the, you know, the filmmakers, uh, all of the people that can come in, the scientists, the research. And we've got folks now that are coming to the table that really want to see this world change in that way. And one of the things that's happening, uh, Jane, I don't know if you've had a chance to catch up, on that email thread with Veg Fund, but uh, Alice, Allison Corbett will be on the summit and she is so excited and I'm so thrilled that they really wanna help amplify the veganic standard in the United States. And this is something that if the Rowdy Girl Sanctuary, the RAP Summit can be pivotal in helping to make veganic standard a way of life in the United States because organic, you know, as we all know, and we're learning this again, it's about growing and understanding and effectiveness. We don't know this overnight, but organic is not vegan. So part of the RAP Summit is also educating the people out there on, you know, what is necessary. And so Veg Fund is all excited about getting behind us, helping us establish uh, that that veganic standard and when you let me jump in for a second when you say veganic what you're saying is organic still and I learned this only recently thanks to this issue is that even when you're eating vegan food if it was grown in soil that is filled with uh, feathers and body parts of right. animals that's essentially not a veganic vegan. soil and we have to um, start cleaning our soil and deep tilling our soil and creating veganic soil and it's kind of funny because then when I found out about it since I do have plants around the house I went to try to buy some soil and guess what I started looking at the That's ingredients so I'm like chicken in the soil are you kidding blood me? in it oh my god yeah so the so veganic standard yeah, that was a makeup Yeah, because it's got poop, piss, and blood and all that in it. But what's important to understand about the veganic standard is it's very difficult to get. And we've got a panelist, Peter Albrecht, with Vegan Trigard. He's in Sweden. He is going to be on the panel. He is on the board of directors with an organization that's keen on what's called the biocyclic vegan standard and it's very much in line and in tune with a veganic standard so y'all we need to get the minds around this because if we can get a veganic standard 
then transitioning farms is going to go even that next level. It's not just going to be transitioning to plants. It's going to be transitioned to veganic, which is what I would love to see. Yay. Yay. Well, I mean, I think this is the whole point is that um, <laughs> Dr. Rao, when, okay, after I heard you speak and say at Renee King's um, sanctuary in Texas, we're going to, we need to create a vegan world. We're going to create a vegan world. We're going to do it by 2026. We know why we have to do it to basically stop the complete collapse of our society and um, extinction, not only of all animals, but potentially of the human species. If it becomes too hot to support life on the planet, that's it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we just need to figure out how to do it. And that, that's where we get back to the food distribution system. Because right. when we were at your convergence a couple of years ago, uh, where the last time we were all meeting in person, and by the way, get involved, go to climatehealers.org, climatehealers.org, sign up. It's fun. It's fun to trade ideas. It's fun to dialogue and even heated discussions. We had, I had a few heated discussions with people. Uh, that's great. It's all part of, you know, refining ideas. Right. And what we did was everybody wrote down challenges that had to be overcome or questions that had to be answered to create a vegan world. And those were on a whole bunch of chalkboards. And then eventually those were broken down into the most important questions. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Rao. Those were broken down into task force or study groups. Each of us, we all sat in circles and we discussed that particular challenge or question that needed to be answered. And then we made presentations. So where I'm going to go back to, because I was so impressed by this, and it is in our documentary, Countdown to Year Zero, the whole process of how we broke it down. We, Dr. Rao leading a team. Um, but... There were innumerable challenges. It right. wasn't just a case case of driving around the country feeding everybody vegan food. Right. Um, I was more drawn. I think different people are drawn to different aspects. And what I've really been drawn to uh, is, and this person is going to be on the Rap Summit. So I urge everybody, check out my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Jane Velez Mitchell. The event is there on my events page. Uh, sign up for the RAP Summit, you can, or you can go to Rowdy Girl Sanctuary, Rancher Advocacy Program, sign up and attend. You can ask questions. You can be a part of it. But I was really drawn to the idea of uh, macro solutions that would allow farmers and ranchers to get out of their trap. Mm -hmm. uh, they have become indentured servants. Just like in the Middle Ages, serfs really almost belong to the land and the lords treated them as if they were property, and uh, they really didn't have much choice. Well, today, tragically, these so-called farmers are really warehouse operators. They're stuck in terrible debt. They uh, make pennies on the animal. They, are, they sign these onerous contracts where sometimes they have to gas all the animals as soon as the egg-laying hens slow down the number of eggs that they lay per whatever. Mm -hmm. And they're unhappy. A lot of them want out. And uh, so we're trying to provide that way. Now, a lot of them, again, are in debt. So I happen to be talking to Claire Smith, who is the founder of the Vegan Exchange Traded Fund, VEGN, and she runs this organization called Beyond Animal. 
extremely smart woman. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she said, well, if you look at that problem, you need to um, come up with a way for them to escape their debt and maybe a green bond, a climate bond, because corporations now are really being, big corporations are being urged strongly to invest in climate bonds. And then if you had that kind of big money, you could take a group of farmers, wipe out their debt, right? The collateral is the land, so it's not like there's no collateral. And then you could, with all this funding, create regional cooperatives where farmers who are experiencing the same geographic conditions, temperature, et cetera, could get together and come up with products that with the economies of scale, because they're not just doing it on their own, inventing the wheel, could be teamed up with, uh, let's say, vegan food manufacturers who need certain raw materials. Um, So, Dr. Rao, like when I think of your incredible and complex three-dimensional chess game, how do we create a vegan world, that's where my mind goes. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting. I think it's sort of like a reflection of everybody, everybody's respective view on life, right? Okay. Uh, can you address that? Like, how are you? Oh, we've got Tracy on hold. Let me get to Tracy's question. And then we're going to address how you take everybody's vision and put it together because everybody has like a different image of, of how, how this should go. Tracy, what is your question or thought? Hi, everybody. Um, this is so exciting, and I just wanted to, um, to share that we have a phone call scheduled with our representative, Scott Peters, um, here, our local uh, U.S. representative, and it's going to be a Zoom call, and we're going to be talking about these, these subjects with, um, with him as a group of us, and I just want to share that with you all and also just put it out there that We've got these experts here, um, and let's get a list. You know, we're only going to have a half hour. I want to get a list of these organizations just to let him know what's going on, that there's a population of a lot of people who are doing great things and helping these farmers switch over because, like you said, a lot of them are indentured servants. They're feeling trapped. They want to get out. They want to get into other different food products. Um, and get resources. So I'd love to have a list of these kinds of things uh, to share with him. And I also want to put it out there that this is something we all can do. We can all talk to our representatives and um, schedule a call. You know, that's what they're there for. They should be amenable to talking to their constituents about these subjects, especially if they're on environmental committees or food committees or Um, You know, just look at what your representative, what their committees are on and what they can do. And by the way, Tracy is an incredible chef who has an incredible product that she sent me a sample of. And I'm I I can use the word addicted because I am addicted to your cocoa granola (laughs) sugar free. And I've been thinking about. Finally, a good addiction after all the bad ones. But um, can I come in for a minute right quick? Uh, sure. Just to, if you don't mind, sure. uh, Tracy, thank you so much for, for doing that work. It's incredible. Um, I don't know if you've been to rancheradvocacy.org slash summit, but there's a list 
of all of the panelists that are going to be on and their respective websites, uh, please, you know, share that with your, your folks that you're going to be talking to. That would be awesome if they would come on and listen. You know, one particular organization, Agriculture Fairness Alliance, is a 501c4 that is actually, that actually has legislation called the At-Risk Farmer and Rancher Transition Act. And they, from what I understand, have got lobbyists poised right now uh, in Congress, you know, and they're really working very hard to turn that into a bill. So, you know, that is on our website and you can also send them to uh, agriculturefairnessalliance.org as well. Uh, see, this is, this is what I, thank you, Tracy. Dr. Rao, how do you put all this together? How do you weave everybody's different visions? Because it, Renee just mentioned the Agriculture Fairness Alliance. Uh, I'm also completely impressed with them and got involved with them because they, what they do is they get vegans or anyone who cares about saving the planet to donate. They hire lobbyists who go around Capitol Hill and they push for legislation like the legislation that Renee mentioned. And they also educate these lawmakers about, well, guess what? You know, 80% or 90% of the food is being eaten by farm animals and they're producing very little food and they're destroying the planet in the process. And so they're getting this crucial information. Uh, so how do you, we, when, we, when we went to Costa Rica together, Dr. Rao, we, we came up with a kind of a constitution or a, basically an overarching vision. Right. Now we're in the other aspect, the polar opposite of all these detailed suggestions, one after the other. How are you collating them? Yeah, you look at the overall goal of getting to a vegan world by 2026, and you see all of these actions are going towards that goal. You know, they are all getting us all, um, you know, marching towards that goal. They are coming from different directions, but the, but the direction is the same, right? We are all ending up in a vegan world. That's what we are all shooting for. And so that's why I support Rancher Advocacy Program. I support, uh, you know, Default Wedge. I support what Jamin is doing. Because I think each one of these actions are, because first of all, we need to get everyone, every human being healthy before humans are going to say, yes, I want to work for the environment. You know, yes, I want to work for others. Uh, ultimately, if humans don't do this, the bears are not going to solve the problem. They're not going to get us to a thriving planet. You know, we have to do it. Because we ruin their habitats, we ruin their uh, right. their lives. So we have to bring them back. Because without all the other animals, we don't survive on this planet. Let so me let me ask you. Let, let me jump in and ask you about that. Yeah. Uh, there was an article that was written in the L.A. Times, and I just emailed the authors of it, and I sent them your white paper. Um, and they talked about collapseology. And essentially, they said there's this whole new field that basically says our society is collapsing. It's in the early stages of collapse. These are not, to my knowledge, vegans or animal activists writing this. These are people who are taking scientific papers and saying, we're destroying the planet, uh, pandemics, climate change, uh, income inequality, uh, world hunger. We're going to see a societal collapse. And um, frankly, I think we're already seeing signs of it. And, he, and they said it's going to accelerate and it's going to hit a, um, a tipping point 
in the 2020s. Right. And so I wrote to them because they didn't talk really about why. It's always where they leave it out. Why? Why is this happening? And the reason it's happening is all boils down to animal agriculture. All of it. It's actually the health crisis, the climate crisis, the pandemic, um, the, um, the habitat destruction. All of it boils down to animal agriculture destroying our planet, Dr. Rao. How come they can't see this? Exactly. It's a little bit more than that. Animal agriculture is the core of it, but there is more than that. The first foundational flaw in the civilization is the idea that the pursuit of happiness uh, requires us to um, stoke and satisfy a series of never-ending desires. So our corporations are constantly stoking desires in us, and then they're trying to meet them. And they think that's the pursuit of happiness. Okay? That's the first foundational flaw in the civilization. The second foundational flaw is that life is a competitive game in which the strong can enslave and exploit nature, animals, and the weak in order to pursue happiness. That's the second foundational flaw. So we need to build a new model, a new vegan right. world in which these two foundations have been reversed. But can Actually, I ask, okay, I want to ask a provocative question because I love these discussions. And, right. You know, believe it or not, even though I'm a huge fan of Dr. Rao, I don't get to sit around and pick his brain very often. Um, you're, you're, you're essentially saying let's change human nature. Isn't mm -hmm. nirvana the state of non-desiring? Isn't that like what people have, have sought since the beginning of time? No, no, no. Uh, I'm not saying we should change human nature. Humans have both. Humans have both the caterpillar that wants to consume, 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 and they have the butterfly that wants to go and help life. We have both. It's what do you build your system on? The system that organizes us as humans, do you build it on the caterpillar or do you build it on the butterfly? So I'm saying we need, yeah. the vegan world has to be built on the butterfly, where we teach children, you know, it's, yeah, you can have some desires, but ultimately your happiness is within you. Don't get confused thinking that happiness is out there. Right, right. Can I ask you a question, Dr. Rao, as well? Sure. Um, because I, I've read both of your books, um, those two books, the Dharma and the, and the Butterfly, um, yeah. and Carbon Yoga, and then the other one, yeah. Carbon Dharma. And I, what is it? Carbon Dharma and Carbon Yoga. Carbon Dharma, yeah. And carb, yeah. And I love the analogy, the analogy of the butterfly. And the that's what kind of woke me up to that humans really aren't doing anything wrong. Right. We're really doing right. everything we're, we're, we're supposed to do. And we're then some of us are transforming right now at lightning speeds. We're just like we're, we're coming out of that cocoon and we're like waking up. And that's why cattle ranchers are going vegan. That's why pig farmers are going vegan and all that, because they're coming out of this cocoon and they're waking up. So we have these enlightened souls, these awakened ones that are waiting for a system like you're describing to come right. together. Right. So question, hmm. you know, in all these ancient traditions, uh, Atlantis, mm -hmm. Lemuria, I'm bringing up some stuff I know may be kind of out there for some, but I'm asking because I have studied Atlantean cultures and I've studied Lemurian cultures. And, you know, civilization has been around for thousands and thousands of years. And here we are on the precipice of making what some of these other civilizations, if it's true, 
have made the same mistakes. Your thoughts? Yeah, every civilization has gone through the process of making mistakes and then learning from it, and maybe moving on to another place and doing it right, trying to do it right, trying to do better. So they've all gone through this transformation. But then the civilizations that try to do better, try to do it right, they become non-violent. Okay, and then they become victims of another civilization that's much more violent, that comes along and colonizes them. And the first thing that the colonizers do when they colonize uh, a set of people is that they tell you, "You know nothing. Start from scratch, <laughs> because we know everything, right?" <laughs> and, and so suddenly it becomes like a you know white European dominated culture, right? Whatever it is. So now we have become a global civilization. Okay, we have. So the European civilization has conquered everyone, and now we have no other place to go. We can't go to Mars and set up a new colony. Colony. We have to do it on Earth. So, it's, so this is the transformation of the caterpillar to the butterfly. This is the final transformation that needs to happen. All the other previous ones got overrun. So here we are. We have all these people waking up. All these people waking up, and so. In, in, in my understanding, you write that you're creating, you know, with all these great folks, uh, even that are on this call, a system whereby these enlightened souls, these enlightened farmers and slaughterhouse workers and, you know, uh, whatever they're doing, bee killers. I mean, we're all coming together now to save the planet. Yeah, because we have to come together as a team. See, I've never had a team that has competition within them that actually solved the problem. Any team that actually solved the problem, we're all cohesive, cooperative. They work together to solve the problem, right? So we now, as a species, have to come together to solve the problem. What is the problem? The planet is dying in front of our eyes, dying because of us, because of those of us who have choices who are making the wrong choices. There are a lot of us who don't have any choice. Okay, they are just stuck, you know, and in, in the current game. So our game has so much debt already. So many people have debts. So. You know, it's a game in which there is more debt than there is money. So those who have accumulated money have a responsibility now to help all those who are in debt and help the planet, because that money is really blood money. That's why I call it blood money, because we accumulated it on the backs of all the poor people and all the animals. The yeah. animals, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, I would love to see both your cousins come to our summit. I was, uh, you know, I met Dr. Gabriel uh, back in the 80s and to actually see him on uh, Climate Healers on the Convergence yesterday and to be able to make eye contact and talk to him. Uh, that man with his with his research would be a great addition to uh, wow. our upcoming rap summit that we're having in the summer. Yeah, he I think I mean, I can give you the contact to his um, um, his people and yeah. then they, he'll be happy to do it. You know, we only have 30 seconds left, I, I want to say, and we can, we can continue it on for a few minutes afterwards, uh, continue on, on Facebook. But I just want to say that you, you all give me hope because, unfortunately, we go online in the morning and we see just tragedy, 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 tragedy. People are suffering right now. And um, they've always been suffering, but they're – the world is, it seems like, in escalating crisis. And um, you are offering a solution. And then we're breaking it down to 
allow everybody to be part of the solution. And that's what's so great. It's not a top-down thing. It's like people love to say, the government needs to do, we have the power. Mm -hmm. We have the power. And so um, that is what's empowering is that so many people feel completely powerless and they say the government's unresponsive. The government plays some role, but ultimately all of it is a consumer issue. So I want to thank uh, Andrew and our executive producer, Tacey Trump from uh, Voice America Radio for allowing us to have this conversation. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. Thank you.